Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. Hope you all have been good, and we got a great show for you tonight. Joining me this week is a legend in New York uh, sports. He is a member of the 1969 World Champion Mets, and he's making his second appearance here on Mets Musings. And he is Art Shamsky. And Art, thanks so much for coming on this week. My pleasure, Gary. Very good to see you. Good to see you as well. Art, uh, it's just a crazy time going on now, and uh, we were talking a little bit before we started the recording, and uh, you mentioned that you're uh, down in Florida and uh, want to get back to New York. Uh, when are you going to get that done? <laughs> Anytime soon? <laughs> well, uh, I left New York sometime in March and thought it would be for a couple weeks, and I'm still down here in Florida <laughs> now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping things um, get a little better. They start these phases of opening places and doing things. And and um, I'll play it by ear. But, uh, you know, no matter where I am, New York is still my home. And I and, uh, do want to get back and, you know, and get back to some sort of normalcy at some point. But but it's been beautiful down here in Florida. There's nothing uh, wrong with the weather, et cetera. But, uh, you know, it's this, my roots are in New York, and that's where I'd like to be. And I, you've got a, a new project going, and uh, that's why we wanted to have you on to talk about it. You've gotten into the podcast world. Well, I have because, Gary, I wanted to, to stay busy. I think one of the things that I think people have to do at these, these, these awful times is to stay connected and stay busy. Now, whatever that means is different for many different people, but but um, I, I've, have, I've got a broadcasting background. I worked at Channel 5 in New York mm-hmm. for many years. I did the Mets games. I worked at WFAN. I worked for ESPN. So, I, I mean, I, I did a lot of things over the years. And, and it, it occurred to me that, you know, maybe this is something that uh, would, would be interesting and, and uh, uh, keep me busy and et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I started it. And I've done four interviews so far. And, 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 and the good thing about the podcast, it's on some Really nice platforms like iHeartRadio and Spotify and and uh, a couple other platforms and so Apple Music and and so I'm really happy with it. But what I want to do is and it's got a very strange name. It's the Art Shamsky Podcast, so uh, <laughs> you, you can't go wrong if you look for it. But but I wanted what I wanted to do is just not concentrate on sports. Uh, I, I, I you know sports is what I've done most of my life and I, I love it, but. I wanted to do sports and entertainment, and I think it gives me a little broader field to concentrate in, and and uh, and so I'm 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 doing that, and and it's really enjoyable. I I'm, I'm I know there's so many podcasts out there, and it's very competitive, but I'm trying to just bring a little different angle where it's just not gonna you know we're all concerned about what's going to happen with baseball and you know all the sports with football, basketball, and you know hockey and everything, but 
you know, I'm, while I want to work on and do details with interviews, I want to have fun doing it. I want to make people feel a little bit better about what's going on in their lives. And right now, a lot of bad things are happening. So mm-hmm. what I'm just trying to do is bring some entertainment into people's lives. All right. I don't know if we, we could use the competition, though, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, let me see what I can do about that. <laughs> well, and you've certainly got a, 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 a great Rolodex built up over the years of uh, all the, the uh, great people that you've met. A uh, couple of the uh, interviews that you've released so far were terrific with uh, the first one with Ed Cranepool. And then you got Joe Willie Namath on there. So uh, you and Joe Willie go back a little bit, back to the old days in the 60s, late 60s. Well, I've known Joe a long time, and, and he was nice enough to do this. And what was really funny about the interview is that I was just starting out doing some Zoom stuff, and he had not done it at all. And uh, just to <laughs> begin doing that was was fun. But we, we reminisced a lot, and that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I, 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 I talked to him a little about his career, a little bit about you know some things, but I didn't want to get into game-by-game game thing. And, of course, we talked about the Super Bowl three, which was back then, it was the championship game. It wasn't even the Super Bowl. But I wanted to reminisce with him just things that, that uh, maybe were a little bit different. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, and just sitting down and talking with him, he was so great and so gracious. The, the thing about Joe, and, and which I find amazing, is that after all these years and, and, and everything that he's accomplished, he's still one of the faces of the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you turn on football on Thursday night or Monday night or Sunday – um, you see Joe Namath running off the field, pointing his finger. It's his figure of him just uh, in uniform. And he's still uh, the classic icon of the NFL. And, and, and of course, I shared uh, being on that 69 Met team that year when they won uh, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl three, right. uh, and, and we won the, the World Series in October. They won in January. And, of course, the Knicks won in, in May of 1970. It kind of brought us together we have a closest because we're all part of that trifecta as i like to call it and just reminiscing with joe was great and and i tried to bring out some things that maybe people didn't know about him i know i've gotten a lot of comments about the fact that people didn't know how good a baseball player he was in high school and he had a chance to sign he was a big pittsburgh um pirate fan having grown up around the pittsburgh area and we we reminisced about a little bit about those days when he followed the Pirates when they had the great players like Clemente and Stargell mm-hmm. and all those real, yeah. really great, mm-hmm. terrific players. And and he had a chance to sign with some teams. I forget one main team that was interested in him, but his mom um, told him that he needed to go to college, and, and that's what he decided to do, and that's why he didn't go for baseball. And so um, I, I don't know a lot of, if a lot of people knew that he was such a terrific baseball player. No, I didn't know until I heard the interview myself, So, and it was uh, – uh, very interesting to find out, you know, and uh, uh, could you talk about some of the other guests you've got lined up or possibly possibly coming on to the show in the future? Well, I interviewed Mike Vaccaro, who is the great sports columnist mm-hmm. for the New York Post. And and Mike, uh, well, it, it should be up any day now. And then I interviewed uh, Phil Rosenthal. And for those who might not know that name, Phil Rosenthal is the executive producer, writer and creator of the great sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond. Now, that sitcom is very dear to my heart because I was on it right. and they named this bulldog after me. <laughs> and so yeah. what I wanted to do was just find out how he even came up with the idea to get involved with the, with that uh, wonderful, it's still on TV right now with reruns, but 
it's a great show. And, and uh, it was a really interesting to have a conversation with him about that. And what's, that's what I'm trying to do is really Gary is trying to, you know, do some entertainment stuff along with sports. I know we're, we're bogged down now with uh, all the bad stuff going on with the, in the world, but also the sports situation is, 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 is for some things looks okay, but for some it might not. And, and, uh, you know, with baseball, who knows what's going to happen there. So I just wanted to broaden the, the, the area out and do some entertainment stuff. And hopefully people will enjoy that. And maybe they'll get a, a, an idea about how some of these things are developed and, and get a chance to meet people who maybe normally they might not meet or ever hear on a, on a podcast or radio or TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's uh, y- you mentioned the baseball situation, and it is sad and uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and it it dawned on me that Major League Baseball seems to be the only sport that they somehow they found a way to make the fans hate both sides of the argument. You, you know, usually you're on one side or the other, but they have really found a way to make people angry on both. You know, against both of them at the same time. It's just incredible that uh, they can't come to an agreement and, and uh you were involved in a lot of this stuff back in in your days um well, uh, i was involved in the strike in 72 i was with the mets at the time mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, we missed i believe the uh, first 10 games of the season we went on uh, strike at the end of spring training and and the players are always going to be i think looked upon as being greedy and 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 i think most of the fans will favor the owners because uh, for whatever reason there's there's no baseball so who are you going to blame yeah mostly going to be the players but in this instance it really looks bad because of what the world is going through and, and what we're going through in this in the country and and people being out of work and being sick and everything else and you're talking about the uh, guys who are making so much money and owners making so much money it looks very selfish on both ends uh, when people are still struggling right now to, to make ends meet, pay the rent, do whatever they can. So nobody's going to look good uh, in this situation. And the worst scenario, the worst scenario that I see is that if this thing drags out much longer, there won't be a season. And then uh, for all intents and purposes, it's going to be a really tough situation to get fans to come back to the game. In 94, when they canceled the season and canceled the World Series, it took a while for baseball to really regroup and and, and really the, the thing that brought baseball back was uh, the Sosa and McGuire home run right. uh, challenges and then mm-hmm. uh, Cal Ripken Jr. with the hitting with the game consecutive game yeah. streak yeah. Um, you know thing it really was a tough go back then and and uh, if they don't get it together now I I really think baseball uh, fans will really kind of rebel against the game and, and then they're really in trouble. And so, you know, we're all affected by what's going on. Um, you know, uh, the fans, of course, uh, people who depend on baseball to, to really for their enjoyment and people that are, you know, not well and they're invalid or whatever the reason. And baseball is a, a, a way for them to enjoy action and, and everybody that works at the ballparks and everybody who's affected with the, uh, Really, uh, it's a tough situation, and, and and it's hard for me not to want to pull for the players in this situation, but I do understand the frustrations that fans like yourself and mm-hmm. fans who love the game uh, can't understand how millionaires and billionaires can't come together <laughs> for, for some common ground to be able to get, you know. Yeah, you, you would think they'd be. Whatever able- it might be, 70, 80, 90 games in, whatever. Yeah. 
Well, it's always about money, I guess, and that's that's the bottom line. And and uh, you know, while uh, we've been sitting around here, uh, luckily there's been a, a a trove of baseball books we could look to, and uh, I your book that you had uh, out last year uh, is still uh, uh, one of my favorite books, and I still see people talking about it. It's such a wonderful book. Um, it, it's just a terrific job. I, I, I've called it, and I tell people this all the time. To me, it's it's my generation or the Mets generation's The Boys of Summer, uh, you know, the great Roger Kahn book. Uh, right. This book is so much like that, and it's got that emotion. And, uh, uh, you know, I hate to go on about it again. People are sick well, of hearing I, me I appreciate talk it. About Thank it. you. I, I'm, I'm glad you are. But uh, the book uh, – when, when Eric Sherman, a great writer, and I decided to do a book, you know, what was interesting, uh, that team, that 69 Met team, has had more books written about it than any other team, I think, in the history of sports. I, I don't know the number, but there's been so many books written. We decided to, to do something for this 50th anniversary last year. And just let me say, I'm so glad we had it last year. If it would have been this year, it would have been so oh. disappointing to, to not be able to do anything out of the ballpark mm-hmm. and do the things that we did. So in some respects, we're very lucky that it was last year. But what we wanted to do was really simply talk about the, the, the camaraderie and the friendships that we developed from that team and have lasted all these years. And it wasn't we didn't want to talk about the day-to-day things, although, you know, it's hard not to – Talk about the black cat game and the 19 strikeout game that we won against the, the Cardinals and the doubleheader victories that we won one to nothing against the Pirates. You know, there's all these incredible games that happened during the year. So you have to mention that. But what we wanted to just really get a sense and bring it to the fans and people who read the book about how close that team became and still remains with the guys that are still around. You know, we've lost 10 or 11 guys from mm-hmm. that team, from that World Series team. And, and, and so – the ones that are still around are still very close. I talked to Ed Cranepool today. I talked to guys all the time just to check in and make sure they're okay. So, it, it, and one of the reasons it, it it became such a close knit team is that although I wasn't there in the early years like Eddie was, I came in '68. That was my first year. Uh, the guys that were on that team in the in the '60s, in the mid '60s, that saw all the losing, like Eddie Cranepool and Swoboda and Tug McGraw and a couple other guys who were there and. 64, 65, and Eddie, of course, was there in 62. For us to turn it around and win it all at a time when the city, much like now, and the country was in despair and, and, and win it for the great fans in New York, I think, which is, you know, over the years has lasted so long. That is such a legacy with that team. And so what we tried to do was just make people understand how close we were and how close we, we still remain. And when we made the trip out to see Seaver in California, uh, not knowing that eventually soon afterwards he would announce that he wasn't going to be making any public appearances. It was really that uh, to get a, a, a closeness with him that I didn't want to do over the phone. I didn't want to do an interview with him over the phone. I wanted to sit down with him and we took out uh, Jerry Kuzman and Swoboda and Buddy Harrelson and uh, Eric and myself went out there and we finally got a chance to sit down with Tom and spend an incredible day with him. And, and it was an emotional for all of us. And, 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 and that's what I wanted to bring across to the fans. It just wasn't a, a book about uh, who hit 340 that year, like Cleon or who hit this and who hit that. Yes, it's in the book, but the reality of it is about the closeness that we felt with Ed Charles and Don Clendenin and, 
and you know, I can name all the guys on the team and, 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 um, you know, our roommates and guys that we love and still love. And, and I think that's what we tried to do and, and wanted to make sure that everybody, everybody that read the book understood how close we were as a team. And, and it is certainly the way the book was structured be, be, between the history uh, part of it, if you will, going back and forth between the trip and, and uh, 1969, really, uh, it was so well done and, and such a terrific book that if anybody out there hasn't read it yet, you have to. Every Met fan has to read this book. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, because well, they can it, go to my website, Gary, and, and if they want an autographed copy, they can just go to my website, which is you know www.archchampion.com. They can order it over, and then I can do a personal salutation. Otherwise, I guess you can still get it at uh, bookstores and uh, and uh, you know Amazon.com. I'm just not sure, but mm-hmm. uh, they want it personalized. I can certainly do that for them. And then yes. just going back to the Namath interview was it, you know, it brought back memories for him too. Um, because they were the first one of the three teams in New York who all won for the first time with the Jets, the Mets, and the Knicks. But all of us who were part of those teams felt like we were adding something to the psyche of the city and the country because it was such a bad time, with, of course, with the war in Vietnam and then assassinations and mm-hmm. everything else going bad. The city of New York was going under financially, socially, spiritually, morally, whatever it might be. And we're in disarray right now, so we can relate to the things that are going on now. But back then the country was really in, in, in trouble and, and these three teams. And I, and I think, you know, Joe and I both kind of felt when we were talking that we were so happy to be part of it. Look, I'm in no way, shape or form is saying that I was the name of the Mets, but Joe was certainly <laughs> the big name of the three teams. And, and we all felt like we were, we, we contributed something to, to helping the city get through a really tough time. And, um, and I think that was made it, made it really much more interesting interview for me and him and and as you mentioned it was just great to sit down with him and and i'm probably trying to try and get one of the knicks at some point in the next few weeks that either walt frazier or willis reed or or bill bradley somebody to talk about the, the one years down well 50 years later i guess mm-hmm. so it, it it's it's all relative we were such a close-knit group and all of us were friends and hopefully it came across in the interview it just, well, when you say 50 years, it just, I'm still amazed. It just doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but, uh, so it is. And, and, uh, I guess that's what we have to yeah, live no, with. I think, I think, well, I think part of it is that people like yourself who are big fans, big Met fans, um, understand it. And even though they might not have been around at the time, they, they heard about it. That, you know, they heard about it from their parents and their mm-hmm. grandparents. And maybe the stories have been embellished a little bit, uh, but who knows? But I'll tell you, over the course of the year, of course of the years, uh, I've had hundred thousand, maybe more people tell me they were at the final game, October sixteenth in nineteen sixty nine, when we beat the Orioles. And I say that's great. And then I realize, hey, uh, that ballpark only held fifty two or fifty three thousand. So, but it doesn't make any difference if they were there, really, or they were there in mind or spirit, or they weren't even born yet, but know about it. That's fine too, because. Uh, as long as they keep talking about it, and it, it's it'll always be a team that kind of goes down in history as, as something special. And you know, in my career, I, I played 13 years, but in all intents and purposes, nobody talks about the other 12. It's really about <laughs> 1969, and I'm okay with that because it was so special and so important to me on a personal level. And I get to talk to people like yourself because of it, so I'm very thankful about that. Did you uh, did you have to? 
grow into that idea of, uh, you know, f- uh, not forgetting your other 12 years, but just accepting that people were going to talk about 69? Was that a struggle for you? Or, you know, like some people say, look, I did other things, but, um, you know, was that a struggle for you or, or did you just accept it and, and move on with it? Um, no, it's, it's, it's been, it's great for me. Because, no, it's great because I, I, I just, and I, like I said, my home is New York and I'm going to mostly meet New York fans and, you know, and, the, and even the Yankee fans know about that year because of how successful it was. But um, no, I, I've made wonderful friends in my years with the Reds before I came over to the Mets and have great friendships with those guys. And, I was there actually at the beginning of the right when they started to become the big red machine. So I've got great memories about that. But but they were the, the, that the year in 1969 really kind of sets me aside. And when people say to me, "Don't you wish you were playing now, making all the money?" I, my first reaction is to say, "Yes, of course. Don't you wish I was playing? I wish I was playing now, making that money. But then I would be. I'd be on. The, I would be paid. Yes, I wish I was making <laughs> the money they're making, but." In reality, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade it for that World Series ring that I have, and uh, and um, and and the other thing I think is really important, and I think you might be might appreciate the guys on the Reds I came up with with Rose and Bench and Perez, Frank Robinson, wow. all these great players that were with Cincinnati, and um, and then came over and, and and then even played against. You know the the Colfaxes and the Drysdales and the Marischals and Gibsons and Carltons and Mays and Aaron and Clemente and Stargell and McCovey and um, Billy Williams all in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I'm I'm missing people. You know that. And mm-hmm. um, but that was the era of baseball, and it was quite an era with uh, all of those guys involved. And um, I was surprised to read that uh, you were quite involved after your career with Israeli baseball. Could you talk a little bit about that? In 2007, um, I went over there. They, uh, I got a call from the guys who were forming a league. No, I mean, I, you know, I'd never been there. It was a little fun. never decided to do it. And it was kind of a, a manager, guys from Europe and Australia and uh, South America and, uh, you know, Canadians and it was a great experience for me to do that, but unfortunately the league only lasted one year. But um, but what I did learn from that is, and I've been over back again since that I, I I think we were the catalyst to get interest in baseball developed over in Israel, and from that uh, they started to work on it and and develop the game, and they ended up in the World Baseball Classic mm-hmm. a couple in the Olympics uh, this year. I don't know if there will be Olymp- Olympics, but grow the sport over there, and so I'm very happy about being able to help get that and start that in 2007. Well, you've had a long and storied career. And uh, like I said, now you're starting a new career with this podcast. So uh, I hope that it's a big success. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, if I would say one thing to you, I would say just keep it conversational. It's the best way I find to do it. And, uh, uh, you know, and I thank you again for taking the time to come on. Well, thank you, Gary. I'm absolutely right. You're right. You're right about that. I do just want to do conversation with people and just, you know, find 
and maybe maybe get some things out of them that they didn't people the listeners never knew before so it'll be uh, hopefully it'll be successful and the and if i can get it be as good as you then i'll be it'll be a success <laughs> well thank you uh why don't you tell us where we can uh, find the podcast once again and uh your, your book and everything else uh the podcast is simply the art champsy podcast they can go to my website www.artshamsky.com there'll be links to get to it but it's on spotify it's on i uh, iHeartRadio, it's on uh, Apple, and uh, they can follow me at Twitter at, at Ardshamsky, and um, and it's the best way to do it. They can go to my website and, and get all the information. All right, and and again, Art, thanks so much, and I hope you'll uh, consider coming on uh, once again in the future, maybe when we have some baseball to talk about. Anytime, Gary. Thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck to you. Stay well. Okay, thank you. You too. And I'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shopdaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the internet today about their teams. It always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Baseball and BBQ, your Place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And we're back, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Art Shamsky. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to Art and uh, get his opinion on everything and go check out his new podcast. Well, you know, a lot of you are not happy with the world of baseball, the way it, way it goes, uh, the way it is going right now. And it appears as if uh, the owners can't do anything right. The players can't do anything right. They have found a way for us to equally hate them both. And that's quite that's going quite a ways. Um, but, uh, you know, we all want to see baseball. But at this point, I don't know. Well, my old friend Barry, uh, he's checking in because he's got a take on this whole thing. Hey, Gary, it's Barry, checking in for the second time in three shows, but a lot angrier than I was the last time on your 400th anniversary episode. Still not sure at the end there why I said 200 instead of 400, but we'll attribute it at least in part to the total madness we are all undergoing. I did not think it possible, but the MLB Players Association and the owners have both managed to make me angry at them more than at our totally dysfunctional and corrupt political system. Maybe I'm just naive, but I thought that by now there would either be an agreement in place or at least the makings of one, but no! Both sides appear no closer than they were two weeks ago, and all that seems to be happening is that one side is still trying to win the court of public opinion against the other. Newsflash, no one is winning anything, and even if there is an agreement five minutes after I am done with this rant, which there won't be, the Owners and Players Association have done so much damage to the integrity of the game, it could take years for it to recover. 
The play is proposing a 114-game season or an extra 30-plus games from the original owner's proposal. After whining about that it is them taking all the health risks versus the owners and their bully proposal to enforce only a 50-game season, followed by an expanded playoff schedule, give me a freaking break. I have not looked at the dictionary in a while, but the word compromise must no longer be in it because I don't remember the last time it happened on anything. And for both sides to dig in deeper is a travesty to the millions of sports fans who could use any distraction from the horrible events going on in the country right now. One more thing. The owners want the postseason completed by the end of October because the second wave of coronavirus is coming right after that. Again, give me a freaking break. What could they possibly know? that the scientists and others who have spent years of their professional life on this don't. It could come any time before or after, according to the medical experts, and they have been saying this for months. It is time, like the great Gary Cohen said on Beyond the Booth a couple of weeks ago, to lock both sides in a room, preferably a very uncomfortable one, without air conditioning or any other amenities, and not let them out until they have a deal. As I said the last time, over 100,000 Americans have died from the COVID-19 pandemic. Nearly 40 million are still unemployed. There is no vaccine on the horizon, and these greedy assholes who have made this dispute entirely about the Benjamins are arguing over, for them anyway, still a fraction of money to them, but that the majority of baseball fans will never come close to seeing in their lifetimes. Thanks, Gary, for letting me rant and end this by refraining from the usual keep the faith, stay optimistic rhetoric. Because I'd rather see no baseball season than the 50-game farce that is being proposed. But as always, we'll say let's go Mets whenever they do get back on the field. And thank you very much, Barry, for checking in with your rant. Got to agree, uh, uh, this 48-game thing is a farce, and it would be ridiculous to see at this point in time. Uh, I, like I said, you know, uh, they may be better off just canceling the season at this point and uh, calling it uh, as it is and, and come back next year or work all winter on getting a CBA uh, at least that would make people happier, I think, if they came back with a CBA and uh, there was peace in the game again. But uh, the way it is now, it's just plain terrible, and uh, we really can't uh, continue along this way for long. They they say they're making some strides now. The counter-proposal uh, went back at, uh, uh, I don't know what it was now, 76 games, and uh, the... the uh, uh, players shot back with 89, so right in the middle of that would be 82, which would make sense. But we'll see what happens with that. It, it, it's just they've still done damage to the game that I don't know if they'll ever be able to replace. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank my guest, Art Champsky, for stepping in and uh, Barry for his rant. And I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, uh, CastBox, wherever you listen to or watch the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. It helps me to grow the show. And I'll say it anyway. Barry didn't want to say it, but I'll say it. Until next time, remember, keep the faith. 
stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.